Hello, and welcome to a podcast called My Pleasure, hosted by a human girl who is not made of AI technology, unfortunately, although I wish I was. But then if I was AI, I would wish I was a human. And the cycle continues. And I think that's part of what we'll talk about today, because I want to talk about I want to talk about dopamine, which is such a ugly, it's not a hot word. It's not a sexy word. It's, there's no, like, there's nothing fun or cute or fairy princess like about knowing what dopamine is. It's so sad. Like, if you have to think and talk and know about dopamine, things are not going well for you. It's sad. We have to follow the science of the human experience only when we are fucking it up um, and not feeling good. It would be so much better to just still be in that childlike state where I don't know what brain chemicals are and I, I, don't, I don't know what problems are. I remember standing in Target with my best friend Christina we were probably in like fourth grade and we were looking at underwear because we were like we want to buy thongs but Target I don't think had thongs and um we wanted like sexy stuff which is so young but like hey it's American culture we love you mean it um but I remember we had this conversation where we're like we both like looked at each other like we both don't really know what stress is like what is that and Christina was like my mom talks about it like she has it and I'm like I hear it talked about a lot too like in movies and stuff and we both just didn't know what it was and we kind of got to revel in this little moment of our lives where we didn't know what stress was and I'm so grateful for that core memory because I promise you if I didn't have it I would never remember a time in my life before I felt stress and not that I'm like a stress case. I mean, I certainly have gone through phases of my life in my life where I'm like a full-blown stress addict and everything is is hard and I like honestly another a stress memory that comes to mind which is a silly one is like the first time I got blue apron and I was using it to cook. It was in our old house and I remember it was during Alone Together. That's probably why I was actually stressed. But I was making a Blue Apron meal and Dave walked in the kitchen and I just looked at him and it was like, I'm in over my head. And I, like I couldn't. And by the way, Blue Apron is supposed to be. so. This is not an ad. <laughs> Trigger warning. We're talking about Blue Apron on a podcast in 2023. <sighs> um, I was so dramatic Oh, yeah. Blue Apron is supposed to be like easy. That's the whole thing. No, I was like I felt like pans were frying too hard and things were not cut properly. Like I was so stressed. And that's another core memory. It's like Dave and I will always laugh about me being like, I'm in over my head. And bitch, you're making chicken thighs on Blue Apron. Um, so actually that's historically inaccurate because the first time I ever made chicken thighs was last week. And guess what? Ever since I made them, I've made them four times. I've made them four times in one week. Somebody is hooked. Somebody likes routine. Somebody knows how to get their dopamine. And once they get it, they, they want to keep getting it the same way. Guess what? It won't last forever. Excuse me. So dopamine 
is a chemical released in the brain that makes you feel good. Who doesn't want that one? Okay, I know there's like oxytocin, which makes you feel love, and that also makes you feel good. And I'm sure serotonin does something really great too. And um, let's see, what does it do? Um, Serotonin, oh, a chemical that carries messages between nerve cells in the brain and throughout the body. That one is, oh, it gives you mood, sleep, digestion, nausea, wound healing, bone health. Okay. Blood clotting and sexual desire. Big deal, okay? I want one thing and I want one thing only, and that's dopamine. I mean, dopamine, I'm going to read this again. A chemical released in the brain that makes you feel good. It's all, you don't, we don't need more. Okay. Well, we do need more. That's the problem. So basically, I read two books about dopamine this week because Dave is out of town and suddenly I'm productive. It's like the Seinfeld episode where they'd stop having sex and Elaine stops having sex with her doctor, medical student, boyfriend, and he gets like a really good student and then she becomes an idiot. Wait, it's not like that at all. It's the opposite of that. But I also just side note, do you guys agree you're either a friend's household or you're a Seinfeld household and you cannot be both? And if you think you're both, you're neither. So this is because like the cool, the cooler girls at school watched Friends in elementary school. And I was like, we watch Seinfeld. I don't, I don't fuck with that. I'm sure Friends is great. It's the most popular TV show on planet Earth. And it has been for a long time. I'm sure it's great. A plus respect. I, I respect it, but it wasn't my show. So There's a couple of notes I took while I was reading this book about dopamine, trying to like learn about myself and learn about, you know, making my experience as a person a little bit better since I just have time to think about those things. Since again, Dave has been gone for two weeks. It's living alone, being engaged to someone for 10 years and having no children and being almost 35. Like that's a, Hey, that's a life experience. Okay. That's a unique new life experience. And the it started out, like before he left, I was like, oh, this is going to be really bad. This could be really bad. Then he left and I was like, this is totally fine. And then like a week in, I was like, I need a human being to touch me. And then I realized, no, I just need to talk to more people. And so I just started to become more social that helped. Then I became too social, made too many plans. And then I was like, whoa, I, that alone. So now I'm back into like alone time is good. And obviously with everything you need balance. And of course I only do one extreme or the other. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get to balance life at one point, but the positive of him being gone has been my freedom to rock out so hard by blasting <laughs> my audiobooks whenever, morning, noon, and night, while I'm cooking, while I'm folding the laundry, while I'm on my WALKs, like I'm just blasting my audiobooks. Now, I could totally do that when Dave is here. There's no chance on earth he's preventing me from doing that, but I am such a needy little. I'm a needy little creature, forest creature, swamp creature that like 
when there's another human in my presence, I can't listen to anything else. Like I, even when I'm, if I'm in the car with you and there's music playing, like turn down. If there's words like radio, people talk off. If I'm with a, which is comes from a place of loneliness. There's something charming about it that if I'm in the same vicinity as a person, like I want to just be open and available to communicate with them. Um, but it's clearly there's, it's not like great for me because it has led to so many nights of me spending time with Dave where he's reading a book and I'm just sitting there staring at him and he doesn't want that. I don't think I want that, but I do it. My point is, is that having a human not be around has been really good for me to actually be like, what do I, who am I? What, what would I be doing right now if I was alone since I am? So that's why I've been binging audiobooks. And also I, uh, that show on HBO with John Oliver last week tonight is back on the air and it's, just want to shout that out as oh I think it's like my crush of the week or something so early segment drop last week tonight on HBO highly recommend like especially if you're going through the phase of life which I am which is like less news the better really streamline where you're getting your news sources from and just commit to those which was oddly enough really good advice my therapist gave me when I was so freaked out about COVID in January of 2020, as some of you may remember, when I was like the COVID whistleblower, um, I mean, not really. Like, as one of my best friends said, a broken clock is right twice a day. That was me with COVID. But I was so anxious about it. My therapist gave me really good advice that applies to, like, I think everything in life. She was like, just pick your one news source and and trust that. Because I was like on Reddit, I was Googling COVID every day. And obviously that was miserable and not a way to live and like something severely mentally ill wrong with me. Even though I was right, like I should not have been given, have given my whole life over to being scared of COVID. So I'm using that kind of now as the news couldn't be, I mean, it could be worse could be raining quote from young frankenstein yeah i'll quote i'll give you a cheesy quote in the middle of this rant my point is the news is too much i i get it we got to stay informed but i cannot be in a my life is too important to be in toxic overload mode all day every day so one of my specific stay informed stay educated while also it being silly sillyly delivered is watching John Oliver last week tonight so highly recommend that if you're again on that journey of streamlining where you get your information from okay so some of the notes that I wrote by the way the two books I wrote I read I did not write two books about dopamine but maybe one day I hope not the two books I read are The Molecule of More and Dopamine Nation and, oh, I only have notes here from The Molecule of More, but I think both are decent. I mean, there's some boring parts, you know how it is, but I just made some notes while I was listening that felt like they resonated with me, so I'm just going to share those with you. So one, oh, donut, okay, then come up here. It's like, you know, I beg you to come on my lap. Hold on. 
okay, I love you so much. And you don't, you do give me dopamine, but I think you mostly give me oxytocin, which is also good. I take back what I said about not needing it. Okay, passion deferred is passion sustained. What? Wait, <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Like anything you're passionate about, once you get it, it doesn't, it, it ain't, it not passion anymore. It isn't, ism not passionate. Passion deferred, that's the kind of passion you can sustain. And this kind of is like, if you have a goal or a dream and you want it and you're passionate about it, you will have that until you get it. And it's like when you have a crush on Brad Pitt and then you meet him and you're like, what? The dopamine is over or whatever. So dopamine shuts down when fantasy becomes reality. I'm going to tell you why this is so valuable to me specifically. And guess what? You're human, so you too. Um, I tend to live in a world where I always need to have some sort of a fantasy that I'm longing for in the background. And sometimes it's really quiet and not a big deal. And then other times it's really loud and it's all I can think about. And it's, I think, I suspect it's a form of anxiety. Yeah, I think that's mostly what it is. And I don't think it's, I think it's like a coping mechanism. I don't, I'm not against it. Like, I don't think I want to get rid of it and banish any kind of fantasizing or daydreaming. Um, I don't think getting rid of that is a good thing. Like, I want to feel my feelings. That's kind of a different thing, but also important. So, again, why is it good to have the fantasy? Well, because dopamine shuts down when the fantasy becomes a reality. So I'm thinking, hey, maybe it's okay that I long for things. You know, like sometimes you don't want to long for something because you're like sad that you'll never get it. And then you're like, wait, actually, if I never get it, that's like the ultimate version of getting it. Like if I long to be best friends with Lana Del Rey, and I never become best friends with Lana Del Rey, I will always get to have that fantasy. Do we just stumble upon a major life hack together? I, I, I feel it. I don't, I, I mean, I feel it. So again, sometimes when I felt like sad that I can't have a thing that I'm fantasizing about, I think I'm going to reframe it and think that that's actually a way to sustain that feel-good fantasy. Now, dopamine, as good as it sounds, as good as it's like, whoa, that's the thing that makes me feel happy. Oh, my God, I love you. I love you. You're the best thing that could ever happen. It can only say one word. And that word is the worst, ickiest, unattractive, anti-seductive, just turn-off word. And the word is more. Dopamine can only say more. It only wants more. So dopamine's like, hey, go make yourself a bowl of popcorn and add your favorite salt and add your favorite butter. And it's going to be awesome. 
And then you're like, okay, dopamine, yeah, I'll do that. Let's, oh my God, I love you, dopamine. Like, we're on the same team. I love you. You go and you get it and you eat it while you're watching Last Week Tonight with Stone Oliver. And then dopamine's like, hey, more. Actually, it doesn't even say hey. It doesn't even say hey. It just says more, more. So you can really get yourself into tricky situations when you're listening to dopamine. And quite frankly, my whole life I've been like, you're either an addict or you're not an addict, right? Because like that's what they teach you on the streets. Babe, an addict is just a person that's in like a dopamine cycle. I think it's basically called being dopaminergic, <laughs> big word. So you're either lean towards being a dopaminergic person or an H&N, a here and now person. And sadly, I am here to report to you, I am a dopaminergic person. And that makes sense because I have struggled my whole life with binge eating. I my dopamine system is so whacked out because of stand-up comedy, any kind of performance, social media for everybody. Like, I think we're all, those of us who maybe weren't going to be too dopamine-driven, we just kind of got screwed over. Well, not screwed over because, like, it's we're fine. But, you know, the state of our society definitely leans us more towards really needing dopamine. And by the way, it's not always bad, okay? Because guess what? You can get dopamine from really good stuff. And it's kind of all about, like, it seems like the secret is training yourself to get it from the right things, right? Like, I always am so... um surprised at how my mom and my sister always keep a clean house they every dish is clean every sheet is washed and folded and the linens are there where they're supposed to be I don't I don't know where my linens are I have I so they actually you get dopamine from doing those things so it says here, um, just literally just ask Google, I'm AI, I may as well be AI. Um, does productivity increase dopamine? Staying entirely focused on one task at a time will force you to sit down and get work done. The more you do that, the more you'll see positive feedback, which will increase your dopamine. Focus on how great you'll feel when your project is complete. Now, there's this quote from Whitney. It was like productivity plus cooperation or something equals dopamine. Um, I'm trying to like Google and see if that's a real quote or if that's just a Whitney quote. Um, I don't, I can't find it. So wait, competition? No, no. Okay. I can't find it. But I do think that being productive, and I don't think that I read it off of Google, that can increase dopamine. And so that is great because that means that we can train our brains to get dopamine from the good things that we do and not just making popcorn. And I actually, my whole life, I always wonder, like, why do they tell addicts to just make their bed? That's always, like, the first rule of AA. I mean, maybe not, but, like, anytime you're in a, um, 
you know, an, a, something anonymous program where you're trying to get better and take more control of your life, they always say make your bed. And I remember I even had heard Chris Farley talking about that in an interview about when he was struggling with addiction. It's like, just make your bed. And I was always like, I don't get it. That's never going to make sense for me. But now I think I do. It's like when you when you make your bed, you're starting the day off on the right foot. Now, <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm telling you to make your bed. Bitch, I've never made my bed. I'm never going to make my bed. Like that, my struggle, my addiction will have to be so severe and spiral out of control. You know that I'm not, I've never hit rock bottom because I will, I've never had to make my bed. But I do think it's good advice and it works. I just, you know, maybe the best advice is right under your nose. You should have seen it the whole time, but I, I don't have that skill. It's not in me. And knowing me and how hypocritical I am, tomorrow morning I'm going to make my bed because of this. So, okay, let's look at my other notes here. Um, so basically, dopamine is, you know, you start to get dopamine from things like drugs or food or people or text messages or social media and you get addicted and it's like you feel powerless I'm this is just me telling my life story I'm doing a monologue about how I have no power um but so okay it says here to arm yourself against Cue triggered cravings. Remove all reminders of something. And I wrote down, wow, true. <laughs> um, because you'd be shocked at how many things in your environment might be a cue that you didn't know about that leads you to a habit that is how your brain believes it can get dopamine. And it might be a bad one. Like for me, one of my habits would be like open the Postmates app and order frozen yogurt. Like, okay, so I just need to, also you need, this is like getting too much into habit stuff, which I know last year my whole personality was just a person who had read Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I do recommend that book. But I want to say this very important caveat. I read that book. I highlighted, I underlined, I loved it. I devoured it. I go back to it. I, pretty much have not implemented anything from it. <laughs> and that's a weird place to be in life because to know what you're supposed to do and then not do it is sort of where I think most of us actually live. That's like the main sweet spot of life. I used to think it was just you don't know, so you don't do. There's this whole other middle ground where we know everything and we do nothing. So um, basically what I've learned though about dopamine is that it makes you obsessed with building a future that can never arrive and it makes you feel like you're in a rat race and it can really mess with you. Now, look, I know people who are, they're fine, right? Like the people like my mom who gets dopamine from ironing her clothes every morning and like making perfectly portioned oatmeal dopamine is not ruining her life. And in fact, she's the kind of person who can have five chips and then close the bag and put it away. And we've always talked about this in my household where it's like my mom has to hide the naughty stuff from my dad. Like we will randomly open my mom's closet and eight bags of 
Panera chips will fall out that she's been hoarding. And she can hoard. Like, I'm more like my dad. Like, if it's in the house, I'm eating it. I'm eating it all. I'm not making eye contact with you while I'm eating it. Like, and that's because my brain is dopamine driven, I think. I don't know. Now I take everything I said back. I made it all up. It's a lie. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So the other book that I read this past week, I actually read this for the second time, is The Mountain Is You. I highly recommend this one, and I'm going to share some of the notes that I took from this book. Um, So one concept I've never been able to understand is self-sabotage. I hear that, and I'm like, what does that mean? I'm sorry, excuse me? Who would ever sabotage themselves? Like, what what kind of an idiot would ever do something to get in their own way? Like, almost like you hear fear of success and you're like, oh my God, what? Always a confusing concept to me. Now I get it, okay? Self-sabotage. It's almost like if you don't do it, there's something wrong with you because it's our human brains are wired for it. And self-sabotage is basically the brain protecting you. So the best example that I can give you is I really, I, I, there's a trip coming up that I really want to go on, but I really don't want to go on. I don't want to book my flight. I don't want to pack my bag. I don't want to, like, my body is physically keeping me from doing the things I need to do, my brain, whoever is in there. I'm self-sabotaging. I want to go on this trip, but I don't want to plan it. I don't, my brain's stopping me. And that's because my brain is protecting me from having a new experience. Because my brain is just here to keep me safe, right? Like, Esther, just stay safe. My brain knows that where I'm sitting right now, that's safe, right? That works. But if I go on this trip, like my brain is like, we don't know what's out there. Why, why, why would we let you go there when we don't know what it's going to be like? And I'm like, Hey brain, like, no, it's fine. It's New York city. Like I love New York. It'll be really fun. I've been wanting to go see funny girl and like take dance class and perform at the comedy cellar. And then my brain's like, no, 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 no babe, like you're safe here. Why would we take any kind of risk and do anything new? And I'm like, well, brain, because I want to, and I can, and so I should, it'll be good for me. And you got to kind of got to negotiate between those two. But that is, that's at least one of my versions of self-sabotage. What does this say? Uh, hmm. Oh, Talking about others doesn't help us. That kind of resonated with me because sometimes someone in my life will upset me and I'll feel the need to vent about it. And sometimes that's healthy. Like sometimes I need to do that. But other times it gets to be too, too much and it's not helping me. Right. Like it's, it's not, that's basic. That's so basic. It was not worth sharing, but it was written here and I just read it because I record this live. Um, This one scared me as to how real I feel like it could be. 
and it's everyone has a threshold for how good their life is allowed to be. And that one, I really, that one like hit home, struck a chord, however normal people talk. Everyone has a threshold for how good their life is allowed to be. And I think that I don't want to let my life be as good as it could be sometimes because I don't believe I can go past a certain threshold. I don't even know, as I'm saying that, I don't even know the specifics. I can't articulate it. Like, I genuinely don't know. I think it's too deep down in there. But it resonated, and so I'm trusting that I needed to hear that one. Um, the people who you spend the most time with will shape your future. And you want to be surrounded with people who support and inspire you or people who have similar goals Again, I grew up, my dad always saying, you are who you hang out with. That one really stuck with me. And so that did I always, like, hang out with the right people? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But that's something that I'm trying to be more mindful of is who I spend my time with. And mind you, what's so cool about the way that advice, like, you can even have so much more control over your life with that advice in present times because it's like who's on your Pinterest feed, who's on your Instagram, whose podcasts are you listening to, what shows are you watching? Like you can really interject like positive, cool people into your life without ever having to meet them or smell their breath. That's a personal attack against me. So yes, you're welcome that you get to hear me talk without smelling my breath via this podcast you're very lucky but it's like hey to me I hear that and I'm like okay who's really smart and cool and funny do they have a podcast I want to listen to it you know so that's that's that can be useful and then also just thinking about the people in your life who you think are cool and maybe spending more time with them. And then also on the flip of that is thinking about the people who you spend time with who maybe are not the best influences on you and maybe backing off of that, you know? That is something that I struggle with is I find a lot, I get a lot of comfort out of people who are maybe not good for me and... I that's something that I need to look at and figure out and dig deep. And yes, I'm talking about my parents. I'm just kidding. But no, I'm totally kidding. That would be funny, though, to sit them down and be like, you guys are not <laughs> cool enough for me to spend time with you anymore. Um, the other thing is, again, I really think you should read The Mountain Is You if any of this is resonating I think it's just good, like, sorry to make today's episode so self-helpy, but that really is just where I'm at in my life right now because of the extra downtime. Um, trauma is not in your head. It's in your body, and your emotions and your patterns are stored in your body. That one, I don't really know how to elaborate on. I just think it was, like, worth noting. I believe it. Doesn't mean I t totally get it. It's kind of cool to believe things that you don't understand. I guess that makes me uh, vulnerable to joining a cult or a religion. Uh, oh, 
this question, this question. What would you do with your life if you couldn't show off or share it? That one, I I really didn't, it stumped me because I really didn't know what was my answer and I also didn't know what wasn't my answer. And again, I'm, I, I don't, I don't know what I would do with my life if I wasn't showing it off or sharing it. And by the way, I don't like the word show off. I like share. That's in fact how I look at social media. I never want to feel like someone's, I never want someone to look at my Instagram or anything I share online and be like, she's showing off. I want it to be like, oh my God, she's sharing her life. That's how I feel about that game. That, that is important to me. Um, Let's see. Oh, I love this. Nobody cares and no one is looking at you. They were talking about like some people have a spotlight complex where you think everyone is looking at you and everyone cares about what you're doing. And it's tricky with social media because it really makes us all feel like that's our thing and everyone's looking at us. But it is so true. Like I am the main character of my life only not of anyone else's. And the same goes to all of us in a great way. I think it's so wonderful that nobody gives a shit about me or you or anyone, like not truly, you know, I'm of course people care about Hailey Bieber versus Selena Gomez. Like, yes, people do care about that, but they don't really, they're just entertained by it there. It's just, stories that they're being told and like fascinated by they don't care nobody cares about anyone else that much and if they do there's something wrong with them and that should be so freeing to be like wait I get to be and act however I want I get you know obviously don't hurt people okay like Jeffrey Dahmer if you're listening not you but those of us who just want to be embarrassing a little bit like we totally can and nobody cares nobody cares I love to say a sad thing but make it happy nobody cares about you and then the last thing I wrote down from the book the mountain is you is do things that you loved when you were young this one I you know the most basic easy answer here for me is like play music and dance I also used to make up my own radio shows when I was little. So I'm like, okay, I guess podcasting is something that I wanted to do, even though it wasn't invented yet. Um, I think for me also just coloring can be really fun. Again, I get it. I'm a 34 year old woman with no children. And if I had kids, I'd be coloring with my kids and it would be different and I wouldn't have all this time to think and explore my inside brain but this is the way it is this is the information that I'm presenting you with so those are kind of my favorite little things from those books that I read and if you guys like this I'm happy to do it more because I do view us as if nothing else a cult where I we're playing school this is like when I would line up all my stuffed animals and I would get out my white dry erase board and some notebooks and pens and pencils and I would play school and I would teach my stuffed animals. You guys are my, not, no offense, don't get mad. You're my stuffed animals and I'm teaching you things. The things that I want to learn. Like my whole intention with this podcast is that 
like one day I'm like, oh my God, my life is a mess. Wait, what did, What were those things I was thinking when I had things kind of figured out? And I'll come back to these and listen to them and feel better. So I hope that this can be that for you as well. Like positive energy, right? You get it. So my, uh, oh yeah, my question to the universe today is how do I have new experiences but also maintain my routines? Because it seems like there's a lot of talk on the street, a lot of chit-chat out there that in order to make your life not go by as fast, you need to have new experiences, you should travel, just make plans, you know, try new things. And so I really want to do that, but that's hard when I try one chicken thigh recipe and then I make it again four nights in a row. So I think for me it's going to be a balance. I'm never going to be an all-new things person, but I'm going to try to become a sometimes new things person. Um, okay. My anti-sadness this week is, babe, it's all about reminding myself of the present moment. God, the present moment is such a foreign concept to me. I'm never there. I'm rarely there. Like, and when I do go there to the present moment, right, when I like get out of my head, out of my anxiety, out of my future thoughts, my past thoughts, whenever I'm like, whoa, 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 just like what's in the present moment, I'm always like, I'm, I always love it. I mean, not always, like there's, all, there's some, you know, not always, always is a crazy word to ever actually say and mean it, but lately when I return to the present moment, I'm like, whoa, this is great. <laughs> Why am I? thinking about others this is totally good this works for me and so my anti-sadness this week is just like hey if you're down if you're whatever just join the present moment be like okay I'm on a walk outside right now it's chill in the air feels kind of good and invigorating or like oh my god it's Sunday night and I'm watching the undoing on HBO max. And I'm like, this is wait, this is awesome. This present moment is awesome. And I think allowing myself to embrace and be glad that that present moment is happening, no how matter big or small it is. I suspect that that's going to help fuel my other present moments to also be good, right? Like, even if they're not that good, I'm going to be like, well, hey, last night I had a good present moment. So it's okay that I'm doing this work right now. I don't feel like it. That's fine. That's my sus- suspicion. Man, I said that word in an embarrassing way. Okay. Someone in the chat wrote, everyone has a threshold for how good their life is allowed to be. Seems directly related to your self-worth and what you think you deserve. Totally. Totally. That's a really great point. I like that. Um, And someone else wrote, I think very soon society is going to acknowledge bodily store trauma and it's going to revolutionize mental mental health. I agree. And by the way, if you're listening to this on the, you know, recorded version that comes out every Thursday, if you don't know, I stream these episodes live on Monday nights at 7 p.m. on AMP and there's a chat there. And so, you know, there's a little more stuff happening there. Sometimes I edit stuff out. And so that's a thing. But otherwise you're getting all of it here. Um, 
And just while we're having a business meeting, I just want to say thank you and I love you for being here and it makes me feel so much less alone, which is I think the only thing that matters in the world. Okay, I sound like I'm on drugs and I'm not, I'm really not. So um, my other, I have two anti-sadnesses this week. The other one is really, and this one is going to take forever to implement, like it's going to be hard but not having anxiety when I have something to do later in the day. And this one is so real and I'm sure you relate, but can I tell you, please let me tell you on my extreme version, like it's really hard for me to enjoy a day when I know I have a stand-up show that night. And that sucks. And that's no way to live. And I remember hearing another female comedian talking about how like she would have anxiety five days up until like before she had to leave for her show. And I'm like, I can't, like, I'm not doing that. And if I don't fix, if I ever get to be that way, I'm quitting. And I need to fix that problem now because I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm not going to be living in anxiety all the time about having a show. And you'd be surprised at how I also have this when I have a dinner plan or when I haven't exercised yet. And I know that's something that I want to get done for the day. So it's like, I'll find myself being like, it's noon, but at three, I have to work out. And I'm like a mope about it. That's got to stop, bro. That's got to stop. Okay. And I, I see progress hey, acknowledgement is the first step. Someone has said that once before in life, so I'm going with it. And I'm going to try to implement that. (sighs) Hot girl homework. We're adding three things into our diets to be hot girls and to have a great, thriving, healthy, happy life. Three things that I find to be so just like fulfilling, tastes good, hits the spot, is healthy, three things. Olives, nuts, and dark chocolate. I think if you're routinely eating those three things, like you're living, you're your most hottest, successful, best self. Like if I'm hungry and I got to make dinner still, and dinner takes 40 minutes, but I need something right now, olives, Castellano, Vano, the green ones, Castellano, I don't know, olives, some nuts, and then at the end of the night, some dark chocolate. You guys, I just, when I'm consuming those three things on a regular basis, that's the version of me I want to be. It can be anything for you, but for me, it's those three things. And I already told you my crush of the week is John Oliver. I think last week tonight is such a good show. I absolutely just, his sensibility, his taste, the things he chooses to make fun of, the way he does it. I'm just like, thank God you exist. Because so few things in media I feel represent like my taste and what I like and what I believe in. And he is nailing it. And I wish that it was every night. And it was never off the air, but I'll, I, that's my dopamine is speaking. Excuse me, my dopamine has entered the chat and it wants one, two, three more from you, John Oliver. But I'm like, hey, no, no, no. 
you got you just be happy with what you got. Um and then the last little shout out on my self-help journey this past week that I'm randomly on and I'm weirdly embarrassed about now that I've shared all this is a thing called NSDR. And NSDR is non-sleep deep rest. Truly one of my nightmares in terms of a concept, non-sleep deep rest. And this came about because I really like uh, Andrew Huberman. He hosts a podcast. It's very dense. And I, it's like I recommend it and I also don't. Um, because it's like you can get lost really easy and it can be just a heavy listen. But I also think he's providing such great information and, and like totally going to affect our society for the better. But he talks about this thing called NSDR, non-sleep deep rest, and there's like 10, 15-minute videos on YouTube, and it's basically like a meditation, but it's actually not. It's just similar. I think one is about whatever. So I did one of them, and I think I kind of got into it because it's like a really good way to reset your dopamine like are you ever in a moment where you're like I'm scrolling on this and I'm listening to this and I'm snacking on this and you're just like wait nothing is helping me I'm doing too many things that's when I'm like okay step back take a deep breath maybe you need like close your eyes quiet your mind because my mind will just keep going and going a good exercise here throw on an NSDR YouTube. If you just type into YouTube NSDR Huberman, you'll see it. Look, is it boring? Fuck yeah. Is it stupid? Hell yeah. It's so dumb. I hate it, but I did it. And it made me feel kind of calm and it made me focus on my breathing. And for whatever reason, everyone says that's good for you. And I guess I'm at a place in my life where I'm willing to do the things that smart people say are good for me. And I'm just willing to do that. And that is ultimately a bad sign, but also I think a good one. And on that note, thank you so much for being here, for learning and growing with me. As always, I love to hear your feedback. There's a Reddit for this podcast. Go in there. Let's like get some conversation going. I, I'm, this is a two-way street. Um, I really appreciate you guys and oh my god I'm doing stand-up I'm actually like working on my stand-up and I'm into it I'm talking about weird stuff um I'm coming to Miami Atlanta and I'm adding more dates soon New York Boston I believe I'll be in Miami in April I'll be in Atlanta in June you can get tickets at estheronice.com. As always, if you share about this podcast, sadly, that will mean a lot to me. I appreciate you. I'm really glad you're here. You're smart. You're curious. You're making your life better. I know you are because I'm projecting onto you and we're doing it together. I love you. Okay, bye. <laughs>